So, Rachel? Yeah? The USS Enterprise crew comes face-to-face with their demons, and scary monsters, too, when their landing party is stranded on a barren planet with a ravenous enemy. Ooh. What do you think you're going to get? The horror genre? Mm-hmm. Pike's visions, Lan and the Gorn, Spock and Cybok, Hemesis visions somehow? Hmm? Let's say they need time alone to process so others don't see them lose control, but they have to stay together to survive, because all those who wander in this case are lost. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Good guesses. We'll see. <laughs> Cadet's personal log, stardate 2510.6. My assignment to Enterprise is over. After we complete our current mission, delivering Vidium power cells to Deep Space Station K7, I go back to Earth. I'm excited to see my grandmother. Our last call was cut short. Life on a starship has a way of taking over. I've rotated through almost every department. So many amazing, talented people. The top everyone of everything. They all know why they belong in Starfleet. For them, Starfleet has always been the destination. For me, it was where I ran to after the loss of my parents. Serving aboard Enterprise is an affirmation of this entire crew's hopes and dreams. I envy their surety. Me? I guess I'm still searching. Welcome to Rachel Watch's Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I am Chris Lackey. We're on RachelWatchesStarTrek.com, but you're going to be listening to this maybe there or on Patreon, which is where our patrons live and they do all types of cool things. Thank you all. And happy fifth anniversary on Patreon to Lieutenant Alex Clymer and Ensign James Holloway. A game with James. Oh, nice. He's in my weekly, uh, one of my weekly games. Well, he's an ensign. I I didn't realize he subscribed to the show. He kept that quiet, didn't he? He sure did. He's been paying your bills this whole time. Oh, what a treasure. Yeah. You know, James, I'm going to plug his show. He's got a a podcast called Monster Man, where he went through all of the monsters in the original Dungeons and Dragons monster manual and Mm -hmm. went into the history. He's an archaeologist, so he like knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Monster archaeologist. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Did he rate them for sexiness? He doesn't rate them for sexiness. Well, that's the flaw in the whole plan then, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But James, thank you, and Alex as well. Thank you so much. More November anniversaries to come. We open this episode, All Those Who Wander, Strange New Worlds, of course, with a slow, sexy swoop through piles of gorgeous food. Oh, it looked really appetizing. I was a little disturbed by the mound of salad with bagels on top. (laughs) I think that's what it was. (laughs) But the cakes look great. It's a pike brunch to celebrate Uhura and Cadet Chia for completing their training rotation. So the phrase originally comes from Tolkien, and this is the whole excerpt. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. Nice. God, there's a lot of messages for us there. Yeah, they should just make every single one of those into an episode of Star Trek. Wow. Well, he's ripped one of those off Shakespeare. All that glistens is not gold. Well, the others sound good. 
And talking of uh, Tolkien, I was listening to your comment show for Strange Studies of Strange Stories the other day uh-huh. about Sam and Frodo saying one of them has a wandering spirit and the other one's a homebody. And Chad said, I wonder how many couples are like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just encapsulates our relationship. <laughs> Just a little side note. Uh, yeah, I thought the same thing, and I was and I wasn't going to um, put it on a podcast. Edit- editorialize. <laughs> yeah. Back to Pike's brunch. Yes, Space Daddy commends them both as being exemplary members of the crew and says they are bonded now and forever in the Starfleet family. Aww. Then he then calls forward Ensign Duke and awards him his lieutenant insignia. So he's been promoted. Whoever he is. Yes. Of course, we've never met any of these people before except Ahura. And it's a horror episode, so I'm not fancying their chances. <laughs> yeah. And it is that happy togetherness beginning of horror films that you sometimes see where uh-huh. everything's fine. Yeah. And everyone's just about to retire or they've just achieved something or there's big plans. Yeah. Oh, we're getting married this weekend. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. My whole family's in town. <laughs> Uhura keeps her distance from the gathering as everyone bonds and parties. Pike approaches, reminding her there will always be a place for her here. Because she's not that bothered. No. Lan isn't there, by the way. She's on scheduled personal health time, which I assumed meant she's taking mental health day. Yeah. Which seems unlike her and good for her. Yeah, yeah. It's good for her. I gotta say with Uhura, I've worked in a couple of offices where you don't really bond with people. And people are nice and they're yeah. friendly. You're just not particularly keen on it. And yeah. I got a flash of that with Uhura here. <laughs> yeah. We find out later she's choosing not to invest herself in other yes. people. Yeah, it's yeah. not that she thinks they're basic. No. <laughs> or boring or anything. A priority one mission comes in. And science and medical assemble for a briefing while they do cleaning up after the party with Spock in an apron on dishes. So I love seeing that bit of business and real life sort of thing while they were discussing this high level technical stuff. Yeah, you would think that they would have some kind of technology that would just clean the dishes for them. Yeah. But I guess Pike likes doing it the old fashioned way. I guess so. He just chuck them back in the replicator and get them dereplicated. They came out with dishes, didn't they, from the replicator? So yeah. surely you'd have to wash them. But well, it's that family feel he it's likes. The family feel. And since they're doing an anniversary party for Uhura and Chia, let's pause to say happy fifth anniversary, <laughs> Ensign Sean Sunset. And happy fourth anniversary, Stian Kjorsvik. Oh, happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah. La'an enters complaining about having to visit the head shrinker. Mm. Una is glad that she is using the mental health support that is on offer. Yeah. La'an is convinced to try Pike's food because she's like, no, I don't want any. But then she does and she loves it. Oh, even though it must be cold by now, <laughs> she's still <laughs> lapping it up. And I'm so glad to see him. Benger is okay. He's tucking in. To some waffles. Mm -hmm. Seems lighter, really. Less grief-stricken than he was before, now that I presume he knows Rukia is, hopefully, living a good life. (laughs) Who knows what's going on with that light being. You'd still be sad. You'd still miss him. and Yeah, but he's not keeping to himself. No. Like he was before. Right. He's getting stuck into the the family, into the work, into the waffles. Another waffles. The mission is in response to a distress call sent four days ago by the USS Peregrine. The Peregrine had been making an unscheduled landing on a Class L planet. And what's that? Baleo Beta. I'm not sure what a Class L planet is. Something almost habitable, but pretty nasty. Yeah. 
Spock thinks the planet's interference is blocking the signal. The planet is a known dead zone, which means no communications or transporter signals reach the surface. Classic horror setup. There you go. Your mobile phone doesn't work or the phone lines have been cut. Uh Nobody's going to be coming to help. Yeah. They must rescue the crew and, if possible, retrieve the ship. The problem is they have another priority one mission. So they hatch a plan for a landing party to go to Valio Beta 5 while the Enterprise continues with its cargo to K7, even though they won't be able to communicate if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, guys. Pike's got total faith in the crew, though, and he's going to lead it himself, taking the cadets on one last away mission. Oh dear. This reminds me of the novel Red Shirts that I was reading <laughs> recently. <laughs> Ensigns and cadets are always getting taken on missions with the higher ups and several of them <laughs> always come a cropper while the uh, lieutenant commanders survive. Strange how that works. Mm. I can't believe that you've read that book. I know. I need to do bonus content on it, don't I? I haven't read that book. <laughs> it was given to me as a gift and you just snaked it and read it. I can't snaked believe it. Snaked it. No, not in a bad way. Just, you know, came in and went, whoosh, got that book. And then you just read the whole thing. I know. So it must be pretty good if it kept your interest. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Not great, but all right. And we get this. You sure you want to split up the crew? It'll be fine, number one. You get the supplies to K7. I'll pile the kids in the station wagon, take a road trip. Sir, the station wagon? Anybody has to go, now's the time. Do not make me turn this car around. <laughs> you were very skeptical that he would know what a station wagon was. Yeah. He's watched films. He does watch old movies and things, so he would know yeah. about station wagons. From National Lampoons. I guess. Other. I, don't. <laughs> I like it. It gives us that nostalgia for our own history. Yeah. Even though it doesn't really make sense. It's, it's warm and fuzzy and funny. The comments he makes are Gen X comments. Yeah, classic Star Trek, though. Right, it is. It is classic Star Trek. I want to hear more talk about horse picnics, though. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't get any of that. Yeah. Do you know who else is classic Star Trek? Oh, no. Fourth anniversary have a Lieutenant Rick Leiter <laughs> and third anniversary have a Lieutenant Dan Kramer. <laughs> oh, happy anniversary, Rick and Dan. Thanks, guys. And back to the story. Two shuttles fly through the atmosphere of the snow-covered planet. It looks very brutal. Oh, yikes. Yeah, it looks like it's throwing the shuttles around. Yeah. Don't land there. Don't, but they got to. Spock's crew is Lieutenant Kirk, Sam Kirk, Mm -hmm. Kirk's brother, Duke, Nurse Chapel, Cadets Chia and Uhura, and Hammer. Hammer loves the cold wind. He says it feels like Andoria. Mm. Everybody looks fantastic in their bomber jackets and ski masks. Yeah. Really hot. Lon is on point for Pike and Mbenga. They can't find life signs, but then the dark sourpuss that is Lon <laughs> says it might not be scanning problems because she has found a bloody corpse. Yeah, so, you know, she's just being a realist, Chris. Yeah. You know what else is real? Second anniversary for <laughs> Lieutenant Rob Gilly. <laughs> really shoehorning these in, aren't I? <laughs> we appreciate you guys. Happy anniversary. It's a natural flow. Yep. They open the airlocks into the Peregrine, the ship that's crashed there or ended up there and ice quickly begins to form inside oh that's cold Mm. those bomber jackets must be temperature regulated yeah and somehow do that for their heads as well great technology yeah they find smears of blood and a bloody handprint that's not good no spock reports that bridge controls were routed to engineering bit of a mystery uhura reports that matter antimatter reactor was busted and environmental systems are down to 20 percent Busted intentionally, perhaps. Maybe. Everyone's kicking ass at their jobs, 
and Pike's very pleased with them. Yeah. Lan has conducted her sweep with Mbenga and reports it is grim. 20 dead, including the Peregrine's captain. Most died of hypothermia. They're all outside. Mm -hmm. Some of the bodies have been picked apart, possibly by local wildlife, she hopes. Chia and Duke discover members of the crew torn apart, their heads, body parts, and weapons strewn across the landscape. Happy second anniversary. (laughs) 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 To Lieutenant Ed Sizemore and Lieutenant Timothy Owen. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even... Think of a joiner for that one. That's bleak. Sorry. <laughs> we do appreciate you. Uh, Uhura brings up the ship's log by Captain Gavin. They picked up three castaways, a human girl, a humanoid of unknown origin, and an Orion named Pasco. Pasco was infected with Gorn eggs. And the oh, ship's no! biofilters didn't pick them up. Oh, oh, why would they? Pasco knew and then set off a plasma grenade in engineering to try and end it. Oh, wow. We get this. Automatic distress call in response to the explosion. I could reach Starfleet now. I would say, stay away. Don't come to Vallejo Beta 5. A little late for that, isn't it? Mbenga, Spock, go get the others. If you're watching this, chances are we didn't survive. Oh, that's good. Ooh. That's scary. Got the crackly signal coming in of the warning that they should have got before the Enterprise dumped them there and sped off. Uh-huh. They're stuck with no way to get in touch with Enterprise to get rescued. And no one from the other ship has survived, so why will they? Mm, yeah. Uh. I was thinking that as well. and Because they've got Lan. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she knows how to survive gone. But they do the thing in horror films that I despise, <laughs> splitting up. Oh, yeah. They immediately split up and we can't communicate with each other because of the interference. And it's like, don't split up. Yes. Don't do that. Don't that's, do it. That's bad. I know there's things that need to get done, but guess what? You Just can't go get around them, together. You can't get them done if you're dead. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All those who wander are lost, so don't do it. The phrase can go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they'd just been reading Tolkien and they thought it was going to be all right. Pike puts Lan in charge of planning. Good, good idea. Uhura finds two life signs on deck five. Ooh, one human, one unknown. <gasps> Well, it can't be gone because otherwise it would have eaten the human, wouldn't it? Right. Pike sends Hemmer to engineering to get back what systems he can, while he, Lan, and Uhura investigate. Reaching an open doorway, they hear clattering noises and point their weapons toward it. A blue-skinned, big-shouldered humanoid alien steps out of the door, growling and waving a weapon. Really cool design. Yeah, very alien-looking, which is something I'm not really used to in Star Trek. A human's height, but really hunched, huge. Blue head, beautiful mm-hmm. animatronics being used in the face. The universal translator doesn't know the language and can't translate. And Uhura obviously doesn't know it either, but she's guessing that he is protecting someone so that they put down their weapons to show, look, we're not here to hurt you. We're here to help. Yeah. So even though she doesn't know the language, she's using her sort of communication skills or her intuition yeah. to work out what might the situation be. The alien sees that they're there to help and he lets them come in. They find a human girl with a dirty face and tousled hair in a room with a cot and a brazier. She's so, so neat. <laughs> Immediately thought, right, we're going to be referencing classic horror films here, aren't we? So we've got Newt from Aliens for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not even kind of. Let's hope somebody's going to say, stay away from her, you bitch. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Chapel and Spock have a debate about Vulcan emotion, which he says is dangerous without proper mindfulness. I know later in TOS we'll see Spock meditating and we see Sarek meditating. I wonder if he's doing this daily to keep his control. Yeah, I think all Vulcans do, not just Spock. Yeah, Yeah. and it's good for us humans too, isn't it, to have our mindful practice. It doesn't feel like it's helping at the time necessarily, but it's an accumulative thing. And Spock says they use logic not to succumb to anger. It's good to get mad sometimes, Chapel retorts. I wonder how this is going to pay off. (laughs) Working to restore power. Why are they restoring power so they can possibly get communications up? And the ship. That's their mission is to bring the ship back. Leave with it. Uhura remarks on how she will miss Hema when she leaves. She's not convinced she'll be back, even though he thinks she will. She feels she's drifting and needs to face it alone and find her purpose. And we get this. I never felt that your fear was being alone. I think your problem is the exact opposite. Oh, really? Please, enlighten me. Make friends easily when you allow it to happen. You think I don't like making friends? No. I think you love it. Deep down, that scares you, because your real fear is putting down roots. So now you're a ship's counselor. (laughs) I understand. It is better to leave than to be the one left behind. But that's wrong. You create bonds. It's a gift. Of course, the people you care about are going to cause you pain. It will hurt. But the love it yields will far outweigh the sorrow. I made the electron coupler. Oh, that that's great stuff. That is my favorite Hemma scene so far. He plays it beautifully and it's well written. Mm-hmm. Really spoke to me as well. I can see myself in her that protectiveness of yeah. not wanting to reach out to people in case they don't respond or give me back what I need. Yeah. Shame to go inside ourselves when we could be continuing to dare to connect. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, this touched me as well. Yeah, Yeah. I need to learn from that. Do you need to learn from that? No, I'm pretty good at letting people in, I think. I love my buddies. Good. Got my family and that's a bond that's extremely deep. It's like uh, roots that can't be reached by the frost. Exactly. Like Tolkien said. There you go. So back in sickbay, Mbenga and Chapel examine the girl, Oriana, and her companion, Buckley, which is what she calls him because she doesn't understand what he's saying either. Mm. Oriana is played by Emma Ho. She is the twin sister of Ian Ho, who appeared in the episode Lift Us, Where Suffering Cannot Reach. Oh. Yeah, the first servant. Yeah, that's right. That kid was great. She doesn't say much in this, but no. she does a very good job of looking... N- newtish. Being... Scared, innocent. Yeah, she's also sassy like Newt is. Like, look, we need to get out of here. Also, in 2021-2022, they starred in the fifth season of The Expanse together as well. Mm-hmm. Carlos Albernaz played Buckley. His first TV role was in Shit's Creek. Yay! Just one line. Oh, he said it was a great experience. I watched an interview with him. He said they were wonderful to him. Oh, I'm sure. This is what he says. Buckley was an amazing dream for me. I'm really into aliens. Oh, yeah. He believes in them. A lot of people believe theoretically in them. Yeah, I believe theoretically in them. But I don't know if he believes they're here or they've been here or Uh what. Or if he's just like, well, surely there must be some somewhere. There has to be. It's so big. Come on. It's infinite. But whether or not they've actually come to Earth. hmm. Seen what we've got and thought, nah. Uh, he said he wasn't a fan of Star Trek, but he started watching it a lot when he was cast. And he says, it's so good. I love it. And that was from a Star Trek Daily News interview. 
It would be a very silly move to say after you've been in Star Trek that you don't like Star Trek, wouldn't it? If you want to get cast again. Well, yeah. But also, you'd probably just keep your mouth shut if you didn't yep. like it. You wouldn't go on the interviews going, Star Trek, stupid. <laughs> not my thing. Oh, he goes on to say it took a month between getting his head and hands cast and being able to try them on as they developed the suit and the mask. Mm. Puppeteers controlled the facial features while the actor moved in the body in an exaggerated way so that it could be read through the padding. It also needed to be choreographed before every shot. He'll soon be sitting for most of the rest of it, which must help. But when he moves forward, they have to know that so that they can be ready to go forward with the head and yeah. do the facial movements that go with what his body's doing. So it, it was just cool for me to imagine how they had to negotiate all of that. Yeah, yeah. It I, works very well. I've worn prosthetics before and you do have to exaggerate to mm. communicate facial m- motion once I wore reform latex and... If you just move like you would normally move, it doesn't move much. Ah, right. So you've got to kind of over-exaggerate for it to read at all. If you want to have a gurning challenge, you're going to have to really go for oh, it. Oh, you really got to go for it. Mbenga is being caring towards Oriana, who asks, are we getting out of here? Lan marches up with no bedside manner, asking, are you infected with gorn eggs? <laughs> Mbenga has scanned them. They're clear, these two beings. But Lan demands to know, why didn't you tell the previous crew about the eggs when you came on board? Mbenga says, stop harassing my daughter, my patient, Ooh. and sends her away. That was good. Oh, it was good. We don't talk about Rukia much in this episode, but that little bit was just the right amount for us yeah. to remember what he's going through. Exactly. That there's some continuity of the character and we're not reset back yeah. to one, which is, you know, typical in most television shows. A very special episode and then everything's completely forgotten. Now, Laan sees that Oriana was reported missing two years ago and thinks that three castaways are survivors from a breeding planet. The Gorn only harvest their young sporadically, so we're unlikely to see any parents showing up. Don't take comfort in that, though, says Laan, because, yeah, these guys are going to be tough. Yeah. And Bega comes to see Laan and says that Oriana was in a place few people could understand, you know, like you were, Mm Laan, and she has a chance to grow beyond this pain like you did. If someone can help her. If somebody can help her. Yeah. Like you, Hint, yeah, hint. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this progression of him losing his daughter and trying to inspire another woman to support a child so that she might survive. Mm-hmm. Spock, meanwhile, finds a trail of blood leading to a tear through the hull to outside and gets jumpy. They miss a good jump scare, though, here. It's all set up for one and they even do the duh music, but I didn't jump, did you? No. When Pike puts his hand suddenly on Spock's shoulder and he jumps. I wasn't scared watching this. No. The tension didn't really build like they probably wanted it to. Yeah. But I was still thoroughly enjoying myself. Oh, yeah. Totally entertaining. But I wasn't scared. Partly because we know all our favorite characters are going to be fine. (laughs) And the other ones, we don't know. Well. So we don't really care about. (laughs) Not true. Uh, I assumed. Yeah, we assumed. In sick babe, Buckley now has severely labored breathing and an elevated heart rate. And I wonder if that took some people back to their experiences with COVID or have seen loved ones go through severe mm. COVID. They can't understand it. So Chapel looks under his sleeves and finds slimy veins. Mm. Come on, guys. He's clearly going to pop out some gone eggs. Yeah. Do something. This is a stupid expert. <laughs> this is. Beyond stupid expert oh, here. So bad. I guess they couldn't get his clothes off and assess the situation if they hadn't made the whole suit to be seen without the robes. <laughs> but really, as often in Star Trek, they should be examining somebody properly, not just with a scanner, but by eye. It's so, a stupid expert. I'm it gonna, is. It, hi. Let's hope Chapel 
is going to act quickly. Unfortunately, Mbenga's off doing something else right now. So Chia is left alone with Oriana and Buckley. Oriana hides behind the nearby wall, putting her hands over her mouth. She knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Buckley begins screaming in agony as a creature bursts from his skin, gremlin style. A gone hatchling. It's already got teeth. It's like when it comes out of his chest in Aliens. But it's also a bit like gremlins where they're sort of reproducing and popping off of the other gremlins. Yeah, there's not just one inside. There's four. Yes, that's right. Chia calls for Chapel. It leaps out and slashes through her throat, killing her instantly. Oh, Chapel returns in horror to find Chia's twitching body on the floor as more hatchlings erupt from Buckley's corpse. She runs to a bio bed and activates the containment field to keep herself safe. She obviously went into flight mode mm. and she's spinning. She don't know what to do, but in there, she's not going to be able to tell anybody what happened. Yeah. No communications. You, you're going to have to get out of there, Chapel. Yep. Meanwhile, Omega is out in the ship treating a burn wound on Duke, who got too close to a plasma ejector or something that was active. It wasn't supposed to be. And his arms burned. Didn't make loads of sense why Duke couldn't just come back to sickbay to get treated. Yeah. But at that point, they didn't think anything serious was going on in sickbay. No, no. So just then, two hatchlings leap from the Jeffrey's tube and tear into Duke and he's dragged down the corridor. They're really strong. Oh, yeah. They're just little and they yeah. freaking pull a dude like fast down the hallway. Yes. I think they're like a foot at this point, but oh. it's hard to tell. They don't show them. So it's it's mysterious. Even Spock is shaken by the attack and Pike grimly tells them to inform the rest of the crew immediately. Chapel ovaries up and deactivates the shield looking for Oriana. La'an shows up noting four hatchlings came out of Buckley's body with one dead. They will mature rapidly then fight for dominance. Oh, so at least they're going to kill each other off a bit. Yes. They find out the Gorn can hide from sensors. Oh. That's something they've done. They've genetically engineered themselves oh, in their wow. young so that they won't be detected by sensors, which... It's <sighs> not good. It's not just evolved that way. They've got the intelligence to engineer it. My issue is they've really changed the Gorn into something totally different here. <laughs> like just, I mean, it's... Why not just make it another creature or another alien race? Why is it the yeah. Gorn? It's not arena anymore. You wish. I you do wish. wish that they were just slowly... Ear clap you. Well, yeah, just the idea that they reproduce by spitting saliva mm -hmm. and that saliva infects somebody and then they make eggs inside of them to hatch out. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like a totally different tonality. It's been so long since I've watched Enterprise. I know that they had them in there. Oh, so it's not just Arena that is being oh, referenced yeah. here. No, no, no. And they're more like Velociraptor-like in Star Trek Enterprise. So it, yeah. there, there is a transition of it. One of our listeners said that they think of all of these different versions of the Gorn as just different aspects of the same species or from the same planet. Making make it work. some sense of it. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I did think they were velociraptor -y. They definitely took me back to Jurassic Park when they're going down the corridors. Yeah. But So you would like them to have just invented a whole new yeah. species. It's so different. So La'an hands the terrified Chapel. Neat that Chapel was actually freaked out. You know, she mm. she told her to do something. She goes, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And then she just stands there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, she's really she would be. freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. And La'an tells her to watch the ceilings and shoot anything that moves. And I was like, but not people. <laughs> just tell her not to, not to shoot people. If somebody's terrified and trigger happy, that's not good, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you should necessarily give somebody that scared a gun. Put it on stun, maybe? Yeah, well, I don't know if that'd do anything to a Gorn. Yeah. They find Oriana hiding in the coldest part of the ship. The Gorn hate the cold. So Lan tells Oriana she knows what it's like to watch the Gorn hurt people that she's loved. But now, look at me. I'm okay. I'm in control. 
everything's fine. Yeah. She tries to inspire her. I protect people. Yes. So she's already starting to do what Mbenga's suggested. Meanwhile, in engineering, Hema and Uhura have completed their repairs. A victory for Team Hemhura, she says. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to see them bonding. Yeah. She brings the power up. Then they hear movement and he smells human blood. Yeah. In sick bay, Kirk is getting surly, insisting they run for the shuttles in spite of the ice storm that's now closed in. And Benga suggests giving him a sedative. <laughs> he was joking, but yeah, don't want someone to go rogue in a situation yeah, like this, do you? Uh-huh. That's another trope of a horror movie. Yep. Somebody who's just going to run out into it and get killed yep. instantly. Mm-hmm. Of course he can't because we've got to have him in TOS. Yes. But maybe he's going to get somebody else killed. Spock is able to access internal comms and Pike informs the others to regroup in sickbay. Back in engineering, one of the Gorn hatchlings leaps through only to be killed and devoured by another one. And that's another Jurassic Park thing. Yeah, Isn't it? it? Which creature was about to leap and then the T-Rex eats it? Was it a Velociraptor? Was that in the last showdown scene? Yeah. Yeah. Uhura tells Hammer to make a run for it, and he pushes her out of the way as it spits, taking the venom spray himself. Oh, what a hero. Mbenga uh, and Spock find that the Gorn's genetic makeup allows them to hide from their sensors, which is why Mbenga had not detected the eggs inside Buckley. The incubation cycle of the Gorn depends on the species. With the Orions, it took weeks. Mm. But with humans, it seems to be faster. And obviously with Buckley's species, it's taken at least four weeks. As far as we know, because they've been there that long. Hammer enters, saying the venom burns quite tremendously. Oh, he's going to spew eggs, isn't he? Did you know that at this point? Yeah. Yeah. The Gorn also have a psychic barrier to Hammer's abilities. So that's also out as a strategy. It's good they've remembered what powers everyone's supposed to have. And they're (laughs) at least (laughs) explaining why they can't use them. He just knew it was going to spit because he could hear it spitting he can react more quickly than everyone else i do feel like this is another problem i have with these gorn is that they are good at everything it reminds me of you would set up our action figures and there's this kid i would play with i think i maybe chad's talked about this because we played with the same kid (laughs) you'd set up your action figures and then you would go to have them fight and he goes i've got a force field right yeah and And it's like shuts it down it's not it shuts it down yeah game anymore is it and then you're like well i've got anti-force field guns and he goes i have an anti-force field gun force field Right, and it's like, okay, so is that the end of it then? Yep. Shall we just go home? Yep, that's what it was. And I feel a little like that. It's like every single thing. They are really rubbish at chasing people, though. They are rubbish. Yeah, for how fast they should be. They don't run in a straight line. They're parkouring all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Just for fun. Can't catch anybody. Yeah. But only just been born, but... But still, (laughs) well, one instantly kills somebody. Like, shoots out of the egg and kills. One kills its sibling. It shoots out. Like, it, like, knows already there's a person. Shoots (laughs) out and kills them on the spot. Killer instinct. But when they get older, you know, they can't catch it. When I'm watching it, it didn't really bother me. But when you you start doing notes and you start thinking about it, it really started getting getting my goat. Oh, I don't mind. They're in trouble. So how are they going to win against these things? Kirk starts bullying Spock about being logical even after he saw Duke killed right in front of him, <gasps> calling him a pointy-eared computer. Oh, come on. There's your TOS racism coming right back. Yeah, he's playing McCoy's part. Mm. But Pike, he shuts that down fast. Yeah, he doesn't tell him off. Maybe it's just not time for that, but he says, let's listen rather than getting at each other. Right. If we're going to survive, Lan catches everyone up on the gorn and they make a plan like this. The hatchlings have begun molting, but they aren't fully mature. At this stage, younglings have an intense drive for alpha dominance. The two left will be the strongest, the smartest, and extremely hostile to each other. That's weak, Spock. We can work together. That's our advantage. No matter what, we have to kill them now. 
we'd have no chance even against one adult Gorn. These younglings move too fast for us to hunt. We'll have to create a choke point. The Gorn are highly intelligent, even at this stage. A simple trap won't work. How are we supposed to hunt them? We, we can't even track them with sensors. If we make them come to us. That is very logical. Gorn can't resist aggressive behavior. They won't back down from a challenge, so we can use that to draw them out, put them down. Great, now we're bait. We can use the environment controls. Gorn avoid the cold. We can force them into the areas we want them in. Now this sounds like the start of a plan. All right, let's get to work. Plan, 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 heist, heist, love it. <laughs> Pike and Mbenga enter the Peregrine's Bridge. Mbenga is giving Oriana a piggyback and he puts her in the captain's chair. Sweet little detail there. Mm -hmm. Pike takes control of the ship's systems. The ship gets cold, except for a warm oasis in one of the cargo bays. So they're hoping to drive the Gorn into there. And that's where Spock and Hemmer are waiting. Oh, gosh, that's so dangerous. Yeah. Hemmer is emphatic that he will not be the one to kill the Gorn because he's a pacifist. I've yeah. forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. But he will do what he must to protect the lives of the crew. Uhura reports, game on, as one of the Gorn spots her. Oh, she fires off a shot to attract its attention and breaks into a run. We can see it's heat vision POV of her. But they are really rubbish runners, so then it turns out fine. Pike monitors her progress and blasts cold air into the transporter room, just as Kirk seals the door. Phew. Pike detects it going into the ventilation systems. Spock heads there, armed with Buckley's stun stick. But he can't get its attention, and we get this. You have to draw it out. Fight it, Spock! Make it angry! Rage that is in my thoughts. I let it to my heart. Spock. It's life or death. He was prepared to do it. Yeah. Two of the Gorn are trying to box Spock in. Immobilized by rage, Spock has to be pulled to safety where he grabs Kirk by the collar before returning to lucidity. Eek. Trapped, the two Gorn begin turning on each other. So, so yeah, that, that was part of their plan. That, so that's working. Soon there will be just one left to kill and La'an is on it. Tossing aside her phaser. Oh no! <laughs> Lan shouts, come and get me! And growls in anger. Oh no, Lan! <laughs> the Gorn begins charging at her, and thankfully it's doing its parkour and it's not catching up to her at all. Laan runs to the cargo bay where Hemmer has secured himself in one of the cargo pods. While Laan leaps into another and closes the hatch, the Gorn tries to break through this glass door Ooh, or ceiling of the, yeah. of the pod as Hemmer blasts the Gorn with super cold air, killing it. Laan gets out and smashes the beast to bits. So, wait, did Hammer actually do the cold? I mean, that would be him killing it. He froze it. She killed it by smashing it. Well, well I think if it, I think think it was it would dead already. already. Dead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that fits in with his pacifism. Yeah. Hammer emerges panting for air. Oh, heck. He says, I'm going to go outside for a moment. Oh, Hammer. Mm. The spit he was sprayed with is not venom. It's how they reproduce. Yeah. Everyone else is outside the bay looking through a glass panel because Hemmer has overridden the door controls to prevent anyone from stopping him. He knew it was going to come to this. Yeah. I do think it's odd that Laan didn't know that that's the way things worked, being that she was oh, on yeah. a Gorn breeding colony. That's true. That's a plot hole, yeah. Mbenga and Chapel plead with him to let them help, but he knows it's too late. 
and we get this. We all know what's coming. Emery, you don't have to do this. But Captain, my sacrifice saved the lives of those I care most about. For me, there is no other choice. <sighs> A logical conclusion. Live long and prosper, my friend. No, no, we can help you. You have to let us try. Uhura. I want to leave you with one last piece of advice. Open yourself. Make a home for yourself amongst others, and you will find joy more often than sadness. Hammer. Hammer, please. Do not weep for me. <laughs> I've had a good life. It's time for me to go. Oh, that is a beautiful scene. I yeah. love that. Yeah, what the... a shame that I only loved him in the last episode before he died. <laughs> There, yeah, there's a really nice moment too when he goes through the force field and he hits the cold air mm. and he's like, there's a bit of relief and he smiles yeah. really broadly. Feels like Andoria. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice. They see Hammer step outside of the cargo bay's force field and he or walks off the edge of, of the cargo bay into the chasm and falls to his death. Later, the Enterprise leaves orbit of Vallejo Beta 5. The battered Peregrine is in tow. They are at a memorial service for the dead crew members. Mm-hmm. Ortega says that if Hammer were there, he would remind them it was a celebration, exalt the fallen, and commit them to the cosmos. Hmm. It's very thoughtful. Uhura admits she never told Hammer this, but he reminded her of her father, always pushing her to see things from a new perspective. The people you love the most can cause you the most pain, but it's the people you love that can mend your heart when you feel broken, she says, Mm -hmm. adding that this was what Hammer's purpose was, to fix what was broken, and he did. Not just the ship. But her too. Yeah. Chapel notices Spock's anger and she follows him out to see him punching the wall. Eek. And by punching the wall, I mean like freaking. He dents it. He grabs her by the wrist really angrily and he stops and realizes what he's doing because he could really hurt her. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've let something out. My mind is weak. She holds his head in her hand and says, it's not weak, it's human. And they hug. You think, is this a kissing? Yeah. Are they going to kiss here? It's a tender hug. When they did previously on, they re-showed their kiss on the bridge, making us think that they were going to somehow yeah. get it on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now that he's, you know, released his control. Mm. They don't. They don't, which is good. Later in Pike's quarters, Lan reports she's found a lead on Oriana's family. It's a weak lead and outside of Federation space, but she wants to pursue it. And we end with this. I'd like to request a formal leave of absence. Decommission me if you have to, but I need the freedom to go where the clues take me. I said no. Would it make a difference? I'll square it. We'll start with belong. However long it takes. Come back to us, okay? Aye, sir. Hmm. And we then see Uhura entering the bridge, taking one last look around it. Her eyes lingering for a moment on the communication station and we can see that she has decided this is the place she can invest in relationships mm-hmm. and find belonging and purpose. Mm-hmm. And this is where she's going to be. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Concepts. 
sponsored by Lieutenant Commander Phil Jensen. Happy five years. Happy five years, Phil. Through Hemmer's insight and advice, Uhura finds her way just as she's about to leave. So hopefully she's able to uh, decide to stay now. She needs to dare to connect to others. And the best place for that is the bridge and communications specifically. Um, and it, it spoke to me. I hadn't been very invested in a storyline of trying to find where she wanted to work because we already know the outcome. But this rounded it off well and helped me understand why she had found it so difficult. As I said, it resonated for me for a coping strategy that I've fallen into. We had a super intelligent, supposedly relentless alien hunter who has heat vision and they've engineered themselves to be undetectable on sensors so they can't be tracked. Mm. They're also really small to hunt, but thankfully they're noisy and clumsy so you can kind of <laughs> hear where they are and they're rubbish at running. <laughs> so it was very dangerous and we saw that they'd already killed off the entire previous crew and we got the scary message to say, don't come here, but with the help of two experts, particularly Lan, not really so much the newt equivalent, they were able to overcome them. Not just because she's cool like Starfleet people are, but because she is the sole survivor of a gone breeding planet. Mm -hmm. So at least that makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. Yeah. No? It's just, it's not, for me, this isn't concept stuff. It's not making me think and wonder. The stuff about Uhura and her relationship and the way that she's, that's some good concept stuff. Yeah. I like, but all this, you know, it's kind of, been done before i know it's an homage but yeah it's almost a trope really and i don't feel like uh all the nuances of it are anything special so um, for my for me my concepts rating is relatively low for this episode okay yeah it depends how much you enjoy the episode as to whether it feels like a homage that with enjoyable references or just a lazy ripoff my entertainment is very high i really enjoyed mm -hmm. it yeah. but for concepts it doesn't really offer much to the table it's not blowing my mind it's not making me think about things except for relationship things which i i think is important but don't you think that's a cool concept that a species has evolved or engineered itself to be undetectable to scanners <sighs> so they're they're advantaged it, severely by that aren't yeah they? it i don't it feels like a cheat to me no they used temperature to control where the gorn went mm -hmm. they used aggression to attract them and Spock was chosen as the one to draw them out, which doesn't really stand up to scrutiny, but mm -hmm. it meant he had to summon his anger and pain in order to save everyone's lives. And he was then left with it open and didn't know how to cope with it. And is that an established thing for Vulcans? Once the cat's out of the bag, you can't get it back in? Maybe, or maybe it's harder for Spock. Because he's half human, of course. Yeah. And it's certainly a fear for many people and some clients that I've had. If I let go of this control of being stoical and being all right and carrying on, I might not be able to cope. Right. Might not be able to get it back up again if I need it. Yeah. Valid. And as Chapel attunes to Spock and embraces him, I realized he's got one woman for each half of him. They're both torn between wanting him to be more Vulcan or more human, mm. and then also respecting him as a whole. And Pring was trying to learn more about human sexuality and culture, and Chapel likes him as a Vulcan. We found out spit is how they reproduce and they've got different gestation times for different species to allow for it to be four plus weeks for Buckley and hours for Hema. I don't know why that makes sense, but at least they did <laughs> explain <laughs> why it made sense. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to me to think about that's how the species reproduces because then 
it would be real easy for them to reproduce, mm-hmm. like always. So there would be tons of them. Yeah, they just don't harvest them very often. So they might just be planets full of them, I guess. But then they kill each other when they come out. The ecology of it seems a little odd to me. But oh, yeah, they all kill each other. So there'd only be one left ever. That's a stupid way to evolve, isn't it? Let's say that there's a planet and you've got a lot of people on the planet. It would be easy for one Gorn to just spit on a bunch of people and just keep spitting and reproducing. And they would take over a whole planet in a very short amount of time. Which seems... Yeah, but then you'd be left with just one Gorn. What a stupid system. Well, I, I, d- yeah. Stupid experts. Gorn. <laughs> I don't know. It's just that none of it, it's set right with me. Thought they used a light touch with Mbenga's story calling Oriana his daughter mistakenly and his tenderness towards her. Mm-hmm. Great to see him more active in this episode, yeah. as though he was less in grief, more released than he had been before. Yeah. He used his father configuration to inspire Lan to, he- to heal herself and the child. So it was a cool concept of a dad, a grieving dad, who now thinks that he's done the best for his daughter and he can turn his attention to what might be best for other people's daughters. I really did like the relationship stuff. I thought that was really good. And all the other stuff was kind of silly. So for concepts, four. Ooh, I'm giving it a seven. Entertainment is sponsored by Lieutenant Commander Quantum Chaos. Happy two years. Happy two years. Lots of horror movie references, or at least I inferred them. Oh, yeah. Newt and the design of the aliens from Alien and Aliens and then busting out of people's bodies. Lana's Ripley. I got the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park and Mm -hmm. maybe Gremlins as well. Heat Vision from Predator. What other movies were you reminded of, listeners? I wasn't scared, but I was moved by it and entertained. Yes, I was too. Well paced, cleverly done, well written, great performances. I saw it as referencing classics rather than being derivative. Mm. Great manipulation of the audience in making Hemmer so likeable and then him doing the ultimate courageous act, which really paid off in a moving beautiful way yeah star trek has also killed off one of their main characters in season one of skin of evil yar gabriel Lorca and discovery also lower deck season one finale no small parts in which lieutenant shanks was killed in battle against the Packlet. the Packlet. yeah the Packlet are back in the uh, how pretty, did they manage that it's, it's pretty uh, funny love the design of the alien guardian And I enjoyed how the mystery was revealed, Mm -hmm. how we were fed more information about the Gorn as it went along. And I love Lan's central role as the one who can save them, who knows it all. And rather than having her be triggered up the yin-yang, because she's been going to therapy, Chris. That's right, yeah. um, She was able to act to save everybody's lives. And even though she said, I would love to just kill them, Mm -hmm. she said, I'll settle for getting everybody off here. Yeah. alive and yep. safely so she she didn't go into some kind of a blind rage she was able to act effectively yeah. love that for her mm-hmm. as i said loved what they did for mbenga as well 8.5 oh wow uh well i'm i'm lower than you mm-hmm. i thought it was solid a solid episode really good i was totally entertained it was only after the fact when i started thinking about things that it bugged me mm-hmm. uh so seven okay sexiness they all looked so hot in their jackets and visors and spark and chapel's hug yeah. sexy yeah. and there is kind of a sexiness to buckley um, <laughs> to danger isn't there oh right yeah and everyone working together and being scared there's yeah. something i don't know why well adrenaline and adrenaline yeah something sexy about that so 3.5 mm, yeah uh yeah i didn't they everybody looked good i wanted one yeah. of those winter jackets that they had they looked mm-hmm. freaking smart uh so <laughs> i'll say three okay slightly above 
Stupid expert. Stupid gone. What kind of a system is that? If you can genetically engineer yourselves to be undetectable to sensors, then surely you can make it so that your children don't all kill each other and end up with just one. Take over a whole planet that's and then just they, kill each other off. That's what they like. They like the idea. This I get. They want the strong to survive. So if you're able to be killed off by your sibling, you're weak. You don't deserve to live. Yeah, but you just end up with one child per planet that you might, may or may oh, not yeah. call around that's, to get That's true. <laughs> From a reproduction standpoint, that's a really waste. That's it's, really it's a waste. wasteful. Yeah. Comms being down meant that it felt quite stupid that nobody was sharing information. Not their fault. That was the conceit of the plot. Yeah. And they all had to find out about the gone individually when they died or mm -hmm. were about to die. I oh, saw someone being killed. I don't know how they could have improved on that, except, as you said, just stay together. They, yeah, that was number the number one stupid expert thing in this was stay together. I mean, that is a trope. Let's split up. It's like, no, don't yeah. split up. Never split up. You've they, been told you've been told you have to retrieve this ship. Well, that's out the window now, surely, that we realize that there's gone running around. Let's just all get together in a containment field and wait till the Enterprise comes back. <laughs> Why did they split up? When they came in and saw all these dead people, mm -hmm. they're like, well, the sensors say there were no, no Gorns. In the captain's log, she said they don't show up on the sensors. They got through the biofilters, yeah. which, again, doesn't make a lick of sense. That should have told Mbenga and Chapel, our instruments aren't going to detect it. We got to put these people in quarantine. Yes! A lot of stupid experts that are going on. Yeah, there must here. have been some signal they could do with the ship. Stuff's gone tits up. Everyone get back to, you know, wherever. Yeah. You know, some blast of something, some noise, some heat thing something there could have been a, another way to split them up there could have been other ways to write this that would make it so it wasn't so stupid experty yeah this is for me the highest stupid experts that strange new worlds has done so also lan not realizing that hema was going to be spouting eggs yeah unless she did and just didn't say anything about he it. had some time maybe also chapel and chia not realizing that buckley was about to spout oh my God. eggs we knew jeez and come on come if, on oriana can't you say something i'm gonna say a four. Oh yikes it's a pretty high stupid experts for me q song let pack let dum dums out smart our chief engineer our empath's power's forgotten or she's not even here not doing our research about the death penalty We've made Moriarty Oh, whoops <laughs> How'd that happen? What's that radiation? It couldn't be Krieg or Waves Or could it be Troy's creeping you Like being Bay? Ignoring the smart kid At Wharf's warning scoff Guess it's time to turn the whole ship off And then on again I'm down to one last shot Can I gain some clout? Before that blasted holodeck gets torn out Take a ship full of families to the neutral zone Data seems a bit stressed, can't tell who's possessed Stupid experts of the yin yang time to grow It's stupid! Yeah, four And your guesses? Horror genre, I thought, yes, but that was obvious from the clues you gave me. Pike's visions, no. Lan and the Gorn, yes. Mm -hmm. Spock and Cybok, no, but Spock and emotion. Mm -hmm. Hemma seeing visions, no. 
thought they'd need time alone to process so they don't lose control in front of someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, No, but it was about losing control for Spock. Yeah. So I got some. That's a decent guess for me for Strange New Worlds. Not bad, not bad at all. I'd like to thank some more patrons, Lieutenant Robert D. Welcome to the crew, thank you. And happy second anniversary, Ensign Jason Ralph. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watch Star Trek. Rachel watches Star Trek.